Thanks for joining us for our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So, let's jump into it. Up at number five. This past weekend, many volunteers from our Manchester outpost gathered at Livingston Park to help clean up the area. They spent a few sweet hours together making sure that the park was a clean and safe space for people to enjoy. High five, you guys, to sharing God's love in your community. In at number four, one church student celebrated 603 night where middle and high school students came together for a rodeo. They ate together, played some dodgeball, and even line danced the night away. There's many more 603 nights to look forward to, so check out our student page at church.one students and high five to more times like these. In at number three, here at One Church, kids four years old through graduating fifth graders are gearing up for Adventure Bible Camp. They're gonna have a blast and learn more about God's kingdom. Adventure Bible Camp will be hosted at our Manchester Outpost June 26th through the 29th, and you can visit church.one slash events to register your kids today. In at number two, we're celebrating the three baptisms our Manchester Outpost experienced this past Sunday. High five to Jerry, Maya, and Jacob. Today, this kingdom-sized high five goes out to each of you. We're so excited for how God will continue to move in your lives. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating Chris and what God is doing in his life. This past Sunday, he attended our Concord Outpost where he decided to respond to what God was calling him to do and be baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of his faith in Jesus. So way to go, Chris. This high five goes out to you today. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. All right. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Particularly fathers uh, in the room. Thank you. Thank you, dads. Thank you for everything you do. We got a Coke and a cowtail for you because nothing says dads like Coke and a cowtail. So on your way out, uh, grab one. They're, they're the glass bottle ones. So, so yeah, those are the special ones. Um, so grab one in. We got bottle openers too. I mean, if you need to, you can go grab one right now if you want. But um, we are in a series called Bad News Bears. Uh, no, we're in a series called Bedtime Stories. And today we're talking about Bad News Bears. This might be a story you haven't heard before. It might be one that you're like, I'm not sure if that even is supposed to be in Scripture. What in the world is going on here? I'll say it. Basically, here's what happens. There's these boys who are jeering a new um, prophet named Elisha. And they're saying, get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. And so Elijah calls down a curse. Well, he, calls, he curses them in the name of the Lord. And then all of a sudden... Two bears come out and maul 42 of them. That's a weird story. Like, what in the world is going on there? Like, what, like how do, what, what are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to respond to this? And like, well, it's here for a reason. I believe that God speaks to us through his scriptures, and there's, there, there, there's not an accident that it's here, and so we're going to wrestle through that. How's that for a hook? Because we're not starting there. We're going to get there towards the end, but... What in the world is going on? So we're in bedtime stories. That may not be the best bedtime story. That might be a nighttime type of story, a nightmare type of story, um, but interesting nonetheless. And so that's where we are. So we're uh, in this series. It's called um, Bedtime Stories. And out of it, we've been, have this memory verse called, called, in Psalm 107, verse 2. And it says this. In Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. 
Will you all say that with me? That's going to be up here on the screen. Oh, there, it's there on the screen. Here we go. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. When I think about the nature of God and who God is, you know, within our world today, within our culture today, sometimes you, you'll often hear it, even at like graduation and stuff, like, man, write your own story. Like, the world is yours. Like, create your own life and all of this. And, and we say that because, you know, I think we're like, oh, you know, there's, there's freedom there. Like, you can run after it. But at the same time, there's something that's completely panicking about that. Like, because if, if you could go anywhere and everywhere, you're like, well, where in the world am I even supposed to go? Who in the world am I even supposed to be? Like, no, no, just create it for yourself. Like, it's your story. And, and, and I don't know about you, but that can be quite anxiety-inducing. It's like, who am I? It seems like a question our world has right now. Well, who am I? And what am I supposed to do? And the nature of God is like, no, it's not as though you are writing your own story. It's that God has a story. And that God has invited you into his story. And it's not that you have to like figure out who you are. It's that he knows who you are. And he's saying, I want you to be a part of who I am. And, and I want you to join with me in my story. And, and the story that we are a part of is like, man, we we're all wretches at one point. We've all made mistakes. Like sheep, we've gone astray. But it says in scripture that God laid on him the punishment that was meant for us. And like a father to a son that's run away. Not sure whether the father will welcome back. The, the father with hands and arms wide open says, come back. Come back to my family. You were invited. And if you're here today, may you hear this, that you were invited into the family of God. That if you're like, I don't know what my story is. And I don't know, you know, maybe, you're, you're, maybe your family story is not all that best story. Because that's part of the hard part about Father's Day sometimes. Is there can be highs and lows in the midst of it. And maybe you're like, I didn't have a father. And like, well, no, you have a father who loves you. A father who loves you so much that he would die for you, that he would give his life for you, and he wants to invite you into his story. And so I don't care who you are, what mess you might be in the middle of, is like, that's the story that you're invited into. You're invited into the story of your king. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Because here's the truth. Because we live in a world of people who are trying to figure out their story, and they don't know who they are, and they don't know what in the world's going on. And God says, no, I, I want to now use you. As you start to learn your story, to be able to tell your story. You've got a story to tell. And like, well, I don't know what story I'm supposed to tell. Well, the story is like, man, the moment in which God meets you in the, the darkest moment of your life or the high the, or the low, that, that moment when you come to realize that you are loved by God despite anything you have done, that he cares for you, that death is not the grand conqueror of this world that we often think it is, but that there's life and life eternal in him, that there's hope in the midst of a world that sometimes seems hopeless. Like there's a story to be told and you're like, God has given you a personality with which you can do that. And God has probably put people in your life that he wants you to have an impact on. And so let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. So you've got a story to tell and don't try to get out of it. Don't try to, don't try to hide from it. Tell your story. So, as I said, it's a weird story they were getting into today. The, the bears, the bad news bears is what we're calling it. Bad news bears. And, um, you know, there's nothing really joking, I suppose, about bears. You know, bears can be kind of scary in a sense. What do you call a bear without teeth, by the way? A gummy bear. <laughs> what do you call bears without ears? Bee. 
Why did, uh, oh, I can't remember this one. I got to read, sorry, I got to read this. I, I had I had them, but let me get you with this. Dad jokes, by the way, Father's Day, dad jokes. Um, why did God only make one yogi bear? Because the second time he made a boo-boo. I know, I know, I know. I, I know, these are unbearable. Um, so <laughs> so before, before all the bear stuff, really what's happening is there's this change of hands that's taking place in God's leaders. Like before Elisha and all that weird stuff with the bears, there's another prophet named Elijah. Elijah means Yahweh is my God, and Elijah kind of pops in the scene. We're actually talking about him next week, and so it's a teaser. Um, but we're talking about Elijah next week. But Elijah is a man mighty, mighty in power. He does some amazing things. He'll call down fire from a mountain and uh, from God. God will, 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 the whole contest between Elijah and some of these other prophets of, of these other gods that were insufficient for what people actually needed. And um, he shows that, that Yahweh is the one true God. The God of Israel is the one true God. Anyways, he, he, Elijah is a man who's mighty in power. Um, and he takes this, this protege, he takes this, this other guy named Elisha. Kind of confusing that their names are so close, but it's Elijah and Elisha. Um, and he, Elisha, he, he's following Elijah around and he's learning from him because we, need, we all need people that we're kind of learning from. And sometimes there's people in our lives. Sometimes our father could be that or our grandfather could be that. Or, and if you didn't have that, well, then God's saying, well, that's who I want you to be to the other people around you. He's like, I, I want you to, to take other people under your wing and help them to understand some of the lessons. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And let them tell how, what, what God has done. Anyway, so Elijah has taken Elisha under his wing and, and Elisha is like learning from him. Um, Elijah has this, God is working in his life. I mean, in some mighty ways, he said, he, he prays that it won't rain and for three years it doesn't rain. And you're like, what in the world's going on? Come next week. Uh, what in the world's going on? Elijah will take a, a cloak and, and he'll, he'll hit the Jordan River with it and it'll part and he'll walk through it on dry ground. And you're like, I want a little bit of that. And Elisha tells Elijah, I want a little bit of that. In fact, I want double that. Give me Elijah, double portion of your spirit when you go or when you die, or when you go away or whatever that might look like. So there's a lot going on with Elijah. But right before we pick up where we are today, Elijah is going to be going away. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard when people that we've been following go away. And Elijah's like, I, 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 want, I want what you got. I mean, that's the life you want to live when someone says, I want what you got. I want double what you got. And Elijah says this weird thing. He says, well, if you see me when I go, what in the world is he talking about? He says, if you see me when I go, you can have a double portion of my spirit. And then a chariot of fire comes out of the sky. What in the world is going on here? A chariot of fire comes out in the, of the sky and takes Elijah up. <laughs> and then Elisha's there. You know, I, I, I thought about that. Like, well, something new is happening. And we don't always like that, right? We don't always, we, sometimes we, we get attached to people, which is right and important. We get attached to people. But now Elisha, it's like now it's his turn. My, my son's in track, and he, he does like the, uh, what do you, the, the, the relays. That was a hard word. He does relays, and, and, and they pass the baton. And, and Elijah has passed, it, in a way, the baton to Elisha. And now here's this moment. And like, what do you do after fathers? What do you do the moment you realize that you're going to be a father? You're like, ha, what am I supposed to do with this thing? It's like, well, the baton's in your hand now. Figure it out. It's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And, and, and so Elisha's like, okay, I guess I have to step into this moment and figure out what God has called me to. And, and so... 
Well, what about all the people who are following Elijah? Because Elijah is this force for God. And, and in a world that's chaos and crazy, like the power of God was with Elijah and people were willing to, to follow him. And, and now Elijah's gone. And so what are you going to do with that? And so that's kind of where we, we pick up today. And here's a principle that we may not always like, but it's probably important in our life. And that is to recognize who God is using to recognize in our lives who God is using. That sometimes leaders can come and go, and sometimes people that we love can come and go, and sometimes, you know, life is this ever-changing struggle. And yet God loves his people and he cares about us, and so he, he, he gives us leaders and he gives us people in our lives, and maybe they come to your mind right now and... and, and and you got to recognize, okay, this is God, this is who God is using in my life, even now, like in your mind. Like, who is God using in your life? And so you have to recognize, okay, God, who are you using, like, for, in, for me in my life? And, and I know that we're supposed to be those people in the lives of others, too. And so we're going to read the story. Second Kings chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. So we're backing up a little bit, and we find this exchange that happens. Now, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak. So Elijah's taken up in a fiery chariot. What in the world is going on there? Chariot of fire, and he's taken up, and his cloak is dropped because I think there's some symbolic stuff going on there. And so Elisha picks up the cloak that had fallen from him, and he went back, and he stood at the bank of the Jordan. Now, he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he struck with the water, and he says this question, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And I don't exactly know how he asked that question. I'm only thinking about it right now. But maybe his question is, God, are you still with me? Because my guess is there's loss there. There's loss with Elijah being gone. God, are, are you still with me? God, can your power work not just through one person, but through other people? God, can you bring other people into my life that, that you now want to use to help me grow and to help me, help me develop? And, and are you calling me to be someone who can step in someone else's life that can help them grow? And, and so, God, are, are you the same? Where is the God of Elijah? And, and I think the same God of Elijah is with us right now. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked, when he struck the water? He divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over it. Well, the God of Elijah is right there with him, too. Because here's the truth. The power was not in Elijah, right? The power is not in you, and the power is not in... The power of God is... It, the, the power is the God who is behind the person. The God works through people. Now, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching, they said to this, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him, and they bowed down to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 abled men. Let us go look for your master. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up. What made them think this? I don't know. Fiery chariot? Like, what in the world is going on anyways? Like, perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, well, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days, but did not find him. And they returned to Elisha, who was staying there in Jericho. He said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? I thought about. Well, really what stood out to me was 50 men in three days. 
50 men in three days. I said, what, what could 50 men do in three days? I was living in Illinois and I was staying at my friend's house. And all of a sudden, the morning, as I was waking up, I hear all these, all this hammering. And I look out the window, and in that area of Illinois, you could hire Amish people who, there was like 50 of them. I'm not even kidding. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this work within the, the story. There's like 50 of them. I don't know, have you ever seen like an Amish barn raising or something like that? Man, they are all there hammering and hammering and hammering. In one day, they built an entire garage. Like, what in the world is going on? What can 50 guys do in three days? And here's what I thought about this. I'm like, they go to Elisha and they're like, our leader's gone. I don't really know what to do anymore. The person that we've been following is gone. And there's, there's loss. Let us, let's go find him. I don't want to be very delicate how I say this. Sometimes we can end up chasing the losses of the past and forget that God might be calling us forward. And that God might put new people in our lives. And that God might, the God who has been with us in the season when everything was going right and everything, we're like, oh, we see your power. We see your power at work. And then all of a sudden there's a loss and, you know, God, I, I, it's just, I'm stuck. I certainly have been stuck and I'm sure you've been stuck. And Elisha's like, well, you can go look. And you can spend a lot of time and you can spend a lot of energy and, 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 and you can chase it. When you think about it, like three days probably wasn't all that long because we, we often struggle, you know, if you're thinking organizationally, if you see change happen, you're like, oh man, it's probably going to take more than three days and 50 people to try to figure this thing out. And, and so Elisha's like, all right, if you want to keep on looking for Elijah, but Elijah's gone. And so now here is Elisha. It's like, well, I guess... I guess this is, this is what God has called me into at this moment. And so part of the challenge I think you, you kind of hear as you see this baton being passed it, and, 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 the, prof, and the, the people following Elijah is like, okay, well, here's Elisha now. Here's who God wants to use now. I've been praying a lot about this passage because it's so weird. And I've talked to people about it a couple times. I'm like, oh man, I, I hope this has something that can speak to people. But I do think God brings people into our lives that God works through them in those moments. And there's probably two sides of that. Is like the first side is, okay, who is God using in your life? And to recognize that God now wants to use them but then secondly, who is needing God at work in their life? And, and who might God be saying, well, for such a time as this, I want to put you in the life of someone else. And so recognize who God is using. And sometimes that person that he's using is you. And you're like, okay, God, how do you want to use me? And I'm sure Elisha's like, man, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna fill these shoes. How can I fill these shoes? And God's like, well, it's my power, so get past you. 
So the guys at this city, Jericho, I guess they finally accept it. And they're like, okay, Elisha, well, we've got some problems. Our city has some problems. We've got a great city, the city of Jericho. If you know some of the stories, like a walled city of Jericho. And you've got a great city. There's a lot of things happening. But we have a problem. The problem is we've got bad water. And we can't drink the water. It's causing death. And we can't, it, it's not really helping our crops. Our crops aren't growing. And so uh, if you are the person, well, then, then here is our need. And so I realize how much of our life sometimes is learning to express our need. And so sometimes the calling of God on our life is to receive help from the people God is using. To be willing to receive help from the people who God is using. And so here's more of the story. Um, verses 19 through 22 of 2 Kings, it says, the people of the cities, they said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town, it's well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. We have a problem. Do any of you have a hard time saying that you have a problem? Like, I do. Any of you struggle, you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I guess we're going to struggle with this all alone. And, and maybe it's a problem of the city that no one else wants to acknowledge, like a community problem that's going on. And, and God puts people in our lives and he says, well, here's, here's, here's a person that you can tell your problem to. Here's a person that and maybe, maybe I want to work through to, to help you in the midst of it. And so they come to Elisha and like, okay, okay, if you are the man of the hour, if this is who God has brought to us, well, then here's what we're struggling with. And, and that's part of what it means to be a church within a city. It's like... I think we live in a great city. And part of life is like, okay, well, what are some of the needs? And part of the beauty of the church is like, you know needs that I don't know. And we know we, we, together, like we can together start to figure out, okay, well, what are the needs of Concord? Like, what are the needs of our community? And like, and, or of your school or of your work? Like, and then to say, okay, can we do something as a church to figure that out? And that's why we have an outreach team. And, and if you're interested in, in outreach, like to be a part of that team. And, and if you're like, hey, here's a need, like use the Facebook group. You can get connected to our Facebook. I'm just trying to get practical here. It's like, hey, what does our city need? They're saying, here's what our city needs. Our city it needs water and maybe there's something that God wants to do about it and maybe we can bring it before God's people and say maybe there's something we can do about it alright back to the story um, <laughs> Elisha does some weird stuff he says bring me a new bowl he said and put salt in it so they brought it to him and then he went out to the spring and he threw the salt in it saying this is what the Lord says I have healed this water never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive and the water has remained pure to this day according to the word Elisha had spoken. The city's like here's our need. What needs do I know? What needs do you know? What needs do you have? What needs are you struggling with? Does God put people in our life to say, okay, I have this need? Or has God put people in our life who are having needs? And you're like, okay, well, how, can, how is God using me? Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. How does God want to use my story to interact with someone else's needs so that what was meant for evil in my life all of a sudden can bring a message of testament to who, what God has done in the way that I have been comforted in my past so that now I can comfort someone else. And so, so all of a sudden we're saying, okay, I'm going to keep my eyes open to the needs of people around me and say, okay, God, how do you want me to do this? Is there anybody you know right now who has a need? 
maybe God wants to say, hey, I want to use you so that other people can receive the help that I want to give them through you. So I pray at one church, Lord, please give me one person every day to share your love with. It's God, give me eyes to see the needs of the world around me and not to be oblivious to them, but to say, okay, for such a time as this, God has called me into this moment. And Elisha's like, all right, well, here's the need. They're thirsty. God, can you do something about this water? And Man, the wonderful thing about our God is that he answers prayers and that he wants to help people in the midst of their needs. And so it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And then finally, we come to the third part where it all gets weird. And you're like, what in the world is going on here? We come to the last part, and that is to respect, respect the leaders that God is using. And sometimes, sometimes this is hard because, I mean, if you take this from every realm, if you think about like kids at school, like if you think about your teachers, you're like, oh man, I don't really like that teacher. Well, respect the people that God is using. Maybe you got a boss and you're like, I don't really like my boss. He's a dummy or whatever you might, or whatever, whatever. He's like, well, no, respect the people that God has put there. You know, maybe you take it to a broader scale and maybe it's like the, the city council and you're like, what in the world are they thinking? Like, I'll, I, I've been there at moments. Like, what in the world are they thinking? What's going on? And maybe you take it to a larger level and then it gets into the political realm and, whoo, there's a lot to go on there. And you're like, oh, what in the world? And, and, and the, because it's very easy to get caught up in all of that. And I'm like, what is going on? What does God want to speak to his people through a story kind of buried in 2 Kings that's weird and harsh and certainly direct and like what in the world could God possibly want his people to hear? Verses 23 through 25. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and they jeered at him, get out of here, baldy. They said, get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, he looked at them, and he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled the 42 of the boys, and he went to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. What do we do with this? Was what I said when I sat down. I was like, what do you do with this? This is something. At the very least, it's intriguing. Is there anything that God wants us to hear in the midst of it, well, I... We tend to... Um, we can tend to disrespect others in what we say, in what we text, in what we post, of what we say about our friends on social media and... We, we, we can tend to be flippant in how we think and what we say and what we do. And it, I'm like, this is certainly a tale of caution. <laughs> like, to the extreme, right? They're like, what in the world? And yet God is saying, no, I, I put that person there. You're like, I don't like it. You can read Romans chapter 13. This is a really interesting passage in the New Testament. If you're like, well, this is weird. And, and what God will say is, no, you, you, you respect your authorities. Because they're there 
by the hand of God. And I know that there's all kinds of confusion about what's going on in the midst of that. But, I mean, you, we could argue that. We could think through it. We could, but, but I think ultimately the lesson is, okay, okay, God is saying be cautious of what we do and say about the leaders that God has put in place. And you're like, oh, man, I don't really like that. Well, it's okay not to like it. And so I think, again, let God work however he wants to work in your life. And I think out of this, we can at least learn some simple principles, and that is to give honor. Early on, one of the first of the Ten Commandments is like, not the first, but among the great of the the Ten Commandments is, is honor your father and mother. So your parents... Like, hold your parents with respect. And that means the young people in the room, it's like to honor your parents, honor the people that God has put in authority. Like, like um, there's a warning there, but there's also a promise there. The promise is like, so that you will have long life. And I don't know in Old Testament terms, like, so they don't get rid of you. Um, but, but like, so that you might have long life. Why should you honor your father and mother? It's because they really are looking after your best interests. The majority of the time. And I, I mean that because I know that sometimes... Parents are completely imperfect as well, and there certainly are, can be bad parents, I suppose, but honor your father and mother. Uh, honor your spouse. I don't know if I hit that in the right order. Yeah, honor your spouse. Treat each other with respect. Be cautious in the words that we say and how we say them. Honor your spouse of how you treat your husband or your wife. Honor your boss. How can, I mean, Scripture will talk about it all throughout the New Testament. It's like, no, work in such a way as though you're working for God. Not just when, when your boss is watching you, but when they're not. Like, so that they can look at your life and see your life. And like, well, this is a man or woman who really is seeking to honor God in this way. And then finally to honor your leaders. The people that God has put in place. You know, I was thinking about Elisha, and I was thinking about the calling down of the curse. And I don't like it any more than you like it. You're like, that's weird. And man, it seems drastic. And for some reason, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the curse, and, and then I'm thinking about Jesus hanging on the cross. And I'm thinking about those who were jeering him, and they're not just, it's not just words that they're jeering him with. It's, it's they're beating him and they're spitting upon him and they've, they're, they're mocking him by putting a crown of thorns on him. And, and you would think that the words that would come out of his mouth, you know, if it's, if it's ramped so much bigger than what was happening to Elisha and now this is what's happening to Jesus, God on earth, you would think, uh-oh, you got to be getting ready for a curse. But what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they do. And that is, that is good news in the midst of bad news bears. It's like, man, outside of him, we might be worthy of a few bears coming at us. But was it given to us in Jesus' Absolute utter forgiveness. 
This is a forgiveness that I don't really understand. But I'll take it. Because I need it. And so together we take communion. And we remember the one we cursed. Who not only did not curse us, but extended us life and blessing. We take to the king. He says, this is my blood poured out for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We remember our king. We all stand with me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're lost. Maybe you're here this morning and there's, man, there's pain. You're stuck. Maybe there's things that you need prayer for and God's saying, no, I, I, wanna, I want to invite you into today. I want you to know that I've sent people around you who, who I can work through and can help you through whatever it is you're going through. Some of those people are here, like I'll be down here if there's anything we can pray for. Lori will be in the back. Dan will be up here. If we can pray for you, we'd love to do that. And Maybe today's the day that your story uh, gets a new turn of the page and you want to be baptized into Jesus. We have water over here and it's this beautiful moment that says, God, I'm yours. God, I'm tired of living my life like I want to live the life that you have for me. I'm worn out and writing my story because it's turning into a nightmare, but I, I, I want to step into your story. And if that's you, then the way you do that, the way we do that together is to step into baptism and say, God, my life is yours. And if that's how God is stirring you during the next song or two, we'll be down here and you're welcome to be baptized into him. We all pray with me. Father God, as I think about the story of bears and extreme consequences, I confess that I don't like it. But Lord, I thank you that you went to extreme means to free us from the extreme consequences that we face. And Lord, I pray that we might leave here today set free because of what Jesus has done, that we are not cursed. The curse has been broken, that it was nailed to the cross, and that we can walk today free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now sing through the night.
Battle B. 